Hey, everybody. This is Krista Stilwell, Communications Assistant at LFCN. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus who join with God in the remaking of all things. We pray that what you hear is a blessing and helps you join God today. If our church can help you and serve you in any way, please drop us a line at 765-447-7655. Enjoy the sermon. Hey, church. Apparently, we experienced a little bit of technical difficulty, and we did not or were not able to record the first half of yesterday's sermon. But we did want to go ahead and share what we did have recorded. It was week three of our sermon series called A Christmas Surprise, and we were talking about joy. And we started off by talking about how we normally think of joy as a happy feeling or an emotion based upon circumstances that turned in our favor. But we we noticed how those don't last. And also that when the Bible talks about joy, it's not talking about circumstances that are good. Biblically, joy is a disposition of the heart that bases its certainty on the reality of what God has done and what God will do. So joy, biblically, is very different than um, happiness. It's different than a happy emotion or a feeling. So uh, with that being said, with that little teaser, we're going to go ahead and share the sermon, the latter half of the sermon. We hope you can find it helpful. If you haven't yet made plans to join us on Christmas Eve, you're going to want to do that. December 24th, 6 p.m., it is going to be absolutely a wonderful night, and we cannot wait to welcome you. You can RSVP your for your free tickets at christmasinlafayette.com, and I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you soon. Begin to began to preach these words that offered hope and a promise of joy that would one day come. God would one day do this. Now listen, your present circumstances can't get much worse than that. But they talked about this day that was coming, about all the things that the Lord would do. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah has to say. The Lord proclaims, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, so I'm going to bring them back from the north. I'm going to gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the disabled, expectant mothers and those in labor. A great throng will return here. He's talking about bringing them back home to the city that was just destroyed. With tears of joy they will come. While they pray, I will bring them back. I will lead them by quiet streams and on smooth paths so they don't stumble. I will be their father. Ephraim will be my oldest child. And then the young women will dance for joy. The young and old men will join in. I'll turn their mourning into laughter, their sadness into joy. I will comfort them. Now, these words are being said as they've watched their city burn to the ground. As the king has watched his own sons be killed and his eyes were gouged out. Their circumstances were awful. And the prophet says, this is what God will do. 
the most joyful reunion you could ever imagine. God's going to make that happen. And it took 50 years. It took 50 years. It was 50 years after those horrific events until Israel returned home. But they held on to those words the entire time. They believed. They trusted that God would one day deliver them. And because they believed and they trusted that God would one day deliver them, they experienced their life in the present with a joy not based on their circumstances. They knew that God had rescued them in their past, and so they trusted that God would do what he said he would do in their future. So while they waited for their life to get put back together, while they waited to return home to their homeland, while they waited to no longer be a stranger and a prisoner and an exile, in the very moments of their waiting, they lived their life with this sense of joy. They weren't happy now. They weren't happy. But they experienced joy because they knew that God had a future for them and God would do it. And so they experienced in their present moment the effects of the future that God would bring in to their world. They knew that the Babylonians who had just conquered them did the worst thing that could happen to them but they wouldn't have the opportunity to do the last thing. That the last thing belonged to God. So they rejoiced. Fifty years later, a different nation, the Persians, invaded the Babylonians, and they said to these people who were captured, y'all can go home. In fact, we're going to give you a little bit of money to build up your city again. And they left. And they, just as Scripture said, they marched into Jerusalem with singing and with joy because God did what God promised to do. Biblically, joy is experiencing today the effects of the tomorrow that God will bring. Biblically, joy is living now like the future has happened. A future that we can't create, we can't make tomorrow, a future that's given to us by God, but we live today like it's already here. It's not just a happy feeling. It is this explosion, this eruption of hope in the midst of our too often hopeless world. It's a disposition of the heart. And it emerges in this confidence and this trust that God would have the final word. That Jesus himself has triumphed over sin, suffering, hate, and death. And one more thing. Joy is the assurance and the belief that God can remake, can refashion, and create good out of even the worst of things. Now, y'all know that passage of Scripture that we throw around when, when really bad things happen. Paul says it in Romans, where he says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know that 
passage of Scripture. And we say that to each other, and sometimes we say that to people when they've experienced the worst. And we say it with really good intentions. But can I comment on that passage just for a minute? The first thing we have to understand is, please know this, God does not cause the worst things to happen. Our God is not the author and the originator of evil, and God is not choosing for people to endure really bad things to happen. But our God is the one who, even when the worst things happen, can somehow and some way remake that worst thing and cause some good to be born out of it. Which means that God doesn't waste our suffering. God sees our suffering. He's in solidarity with us while we suffer And God loves us so much that he doesn't waste it. Somehow he uses it. He recreates it and remakes it. He resurrects it, if you will, so that some good can be born out of it. And he doesn't cause it, but he won't waste it. And the disposition of the heart that leads itself to joy is a disposition that firmly trusts in the Lord in the midst of the worst of things. To not let the worst of things be the end of things. It's that as we're going through the worst things, we know that one day our Lord will make something out of this worst thing that we're experiencing right now. And we're just going to wait for the Lord to do what the Lord does. And in the midst of that, we have joy. And joy isn't happiness. You can experience joy without a smile on your face. You can experience joy without some sort of like, you know, smiley face emoji as like your hashtag throughout life. Because joy isn't equated to happiness. Happiness comes and goes. And it's based upon how much money we have in our bank account and if that person likes us and all of the circumstances of our life. Joy is way deeper. Joy is saying, I know what God will do, and I'm going to live today in the effects of the future that God will bring. I'm going to invite the team to come forward this morning, and we're going to prepare to come to the table. The third week of Advent it is always the season or the week of joy. It's the time we talk about the most beautiful gift that can be given to us, which is the gift of Jesus. And Advent for us is a season of expectation and preparation and waiting. We're all preparing for Christmas in here. And you're all, if you haven't yet prepared to put gifts under the tree, you are experiencing in these moments, moments of anxiety by me talking about preparing for Christmas. But the most important preparation for Christmas is not your Amazon wish list or whether the UPS person will arrive at time. The most important preparation for Christmas is what happens in this space in these moments, as we prepare our hearts. And it's true that God has already come to us in the person of Jesus. It's true that God was born in Bethlehem 2,000 some odd years ago. All of that is true. But here in these moments, we're preparing for and we're anticipating for our Lord to come back and for our Lord to return. And there will be a day when the clouds will part 
and the new Jerusalem will descend. And this old world is remade into the world that God has always dreamed and imagined it will be. There will be that day when tears are wiped from every eye. And we won't need the sun anymore because the light of his presence will be enough. It will be sufficient to light up the whole world. There will be a day when instinctively and intuitively all of us hit, to, hit our knees and we bow our heads. And from every language around every corner of the globe, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there will be a day where he will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. And that day will be a day of joy. Our hearts will leap for joy in that moment when we see our Savior face to face. But we can live like that today. Joy is experiencing the effects of tomorrow, that day, today. Joy is staring an unjust, broken, hurtful, and painful world in the face and saying to it, not with any trust in our ability, but within the confidence of the God who will redeem us, saying to that world, you cannot have the last word. That word is given to God. So I'm going to live joyfully today in anticipation of the tomorrow that God will one day bring. All across the room this morning, there are people who are in the middle of stuff. You have things. We have things. I have things. Those things don't get the last word. God does. So live with this quiet assurance, confidence, and trust that the Lord will do what the Lord has said he will always do. The night before he gave up his life for the sake of the world, Jesus gathered with his friends and family and took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, it's broken for you. And he took a pitcher of wine and he poured it out and he said, this is my blood, it's shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and eat and take and drink and I want you to share this meal as often as you can. And every time you share it, would you share it in remembrance of me? And so in just a moment, you're going to be invited to come to the table this morning to receive the broken body and the shed blood. And as we do today, can we remember Jesus? Can we remember the Jesus who has come to us? Can we remember the Jesus who one day will come to us? Can we remember the Jesus who was crucified, dead, buried, resurrected to new life so that the grave and the power of sin and death and evil would be defeated so that today all of us who find ourselves in him can remember that we've been raised to new life in him and the power of all of those things are forever broken so that we can live with that sense of joy today. Today, God's dream and God's desire is not just that his people would choose to believe in him and then would endure this world to one day wait to go to heaven. God's dream and God's desire 
is that we would be so filled with the power and the presence of Jesus that our lives would look like Jesus's and his kingdom would be expanded as we live as people of joy in this world. In just a moment, you'll be invited to the table. If you're newer with us, I want you to know you don't need to be a member, a regular attender, whether this is your first time or your one millionth time, you're just as welcome to come to the table. I'll pray a prayer. Some rows will form, and then you can take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thanks for the opportunity that we have to be here in your house, to sit under the authority of your word, to sing songs of worship to you, and now to respond to your good news. So we come to you with open hearts today and with open hands. We remember you, and we want to live lives of joy in the midst of the difficulty.